Welcome to Kimecast, where we break through and cut the BS in sports medicine, rehabilitation, and sports performance, and talk about how things really work. Welcome to Kimecast. I'm Tony Mikla, Evan Hauger, Russ Dunning, Aaron Crouch. So today we want to talk a little about what uh, what what we do and how we've kind of come to do it, and a little bit about the business uh, of Kime and and this what this business looks like from a physical therapy standpoint and a sports performance standpoint, uh, maybe compared to what some of the other businesses are that that are in a similar nature, how we do things a little bit differently. We've had this uh, slogan from the beginning that we do things differently because the old way doesn't work, and there's a lot of reason why we have that statement and, and why we speak to that. So we want to kind of bring some of that up and address it tonight as we, as we go through. So Evan, what are we going to have to drink here first? All right. Beer first. This is from Touchstone Brewery, which has made a couple of appearances on the podcast already. It's the climbing, it's like a climbing gym associated with the climbing gym. This one is first ascent pale ale. And it's got all kinds of like uh, climbing equipment on it. I think that's the, what they, they usually do on yeah. their cans. There's always like yeah. climbing equipment or something. Yeah. Yeah. Do they brew the beer in the climbing gym? A, do we know? It's a great question. Yeah. Probably use a little sweat. A little sweaty. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah, the that's secret ingredient. That's the <laughs> mm, the bite, right? <laughs> or the chalk. Or the chalk. It's a little powdery. It's the drier ones. A little chalky. <laughs> oh, this stuff has been good in the past. They they've done a good stuff. Yeah. And always arts on the can is good. Yeah. So yeah, so let's, um, when, we, when we started, Kai, we had a couple uh, t- popular questions that come up to us as we uh, are in the clinic working with folks and, and people are get associated with the business and the questions are like, why did you name it that? Is that somebody's name? Is it an acronym? And, you know, the reality of this, we actually went through quite a process in, in naming the, the business and a little bit of business background, there's... There's quite a few important ways when you look at starting a business of, of how you name it. And there's some values, so things to consider, and, and one of them is to use a, a somewhat unique name or unique word so that you can easily have rights to it and you can get a website nowadays or you can get an Instagram account. You don't have to fight for it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so obviously it's usually recommended that it's a non, if you're in, you know, in America, it's a non-English speaking word is ideal. And when you start to think about it, you can look at huge companies that this is exactly what they exactly what they do, like Coca-Cola or Xerox or every Pe- tech company. Pepsi, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, exactly. Every tech company and Google, it's it's a word, but nobody used it, you know, forever and same thing with Oracle. Like huge companies and, and this is a really common uh, common theme. Certainly some people name the name the business after themselves, which depending on which books you read on business and such is Probably a direction not to go down, depending on how large you want your business to be. If you want it to be a sole proprietorship and it's all about you and, and your services, then that, that might make a ton of sense. But we wanted something to be much bigger than, than us, so we did not do a name or an acronym for a name. So essentially, we, we really like listed all of the important words and things that we valued, that we thought identify what we did the best. Uh, on paper, we brainstormed it out, tried to look at maybe ways to combine words and do some different things. And, and Russ actually was reading an article at one point uh, from a, from one of his mentors and and the, he mentioned a word in there using the word and he mentioned the word kime which was spelled out which is really unique to see it spelled out like that it's usually not the case but it turns out that it's really a japanese translation and what it stands for what it what it translates to is maximizing your body's power production in the presence of maximum efficiency and that's really what we do at the end of the day is help people move better, move more efficiently, generate more power so that they can move with ease. So it was so fitting and so perfect in that, that name. 
if you take it and you look at the root of it down, it even has more uh, more importance and ties back to some of the martial arts strategies. And if you think about in karate or certain martial arts, we think about uh, striking someone or, or breaking a board is kind of a fun way to think about striking something. Uh, when that happens, they say kai, they say kaya is a, is the words that they use. And so that is kind of speaks to the same name as kaim, is that, that kai portion uh, speaks to that power production. So nonetheless, that's kind of where the name came from and, and why we've used it is it certainly is a good fit for the, for the day-to-day things that we, that we accomplish. So that answers that, that question that, that comes in all the time. Mm-hmm. And my recommendation to those of you starting a business would be to do something similar, a similar process of, of looking through what are important words to you, what are important things to carry through your business, and, and try to choose uh, words or, or letters that are not, not typically associated with already an existing language that people are familiar with because it has made it quite easy to get a website and an Instagram and other things of that nature mm-hmm. um, without having to compete. If you name your... You know, Smith Physical Therapy, there's probably a lot of those, I'm guessing, you know. So. Now, there's, a, there's always a, a flip side to that coin. Sure. And so that was all really wonderful and beautiful, and, and we live and die by it. It's great. And, uh, but in, in naming the company Kime, um, you know, I was, I was just driving down uh, the street just the other day to the supermarket, and this guy pulls up right next to me, and he, he signals to roll down the window. And I say, hey, what's up? And, and you know, on, on our company trucks, we have big, bold, uh, Kime Performance PT on it. And he said, I know, I know of Kime. Are, are you related to Ben Kime? It's like, <laughs> no, no, it's, it's, no, there's no relation. Oh, so are, are you sure? I'm like, yeah, positive. You know, I kind of named it with my co-founder. We kind of made it up. Definitely not a last name. You know? um, so there's, there's always some, some you know, tangents to that. Yeah. yeah. I think you certainly, one of, the, one of the dangerous things about naming something that's a weird name too is you have to then educate the market on what that, what that yeah. name is. Like, yeah. what, what do you do? Because obviously we get asked yeah. of it a lot, which right. is kind of a win. But it's perfect. Because <laughs> like, you think about why does an Apple represent the biggest branded computer tech company out there? I mean, it's kind of weird in the start, but now it's like I can't help but like see an Apple yeah. and think of the actual my phone. Really. Do you know why they did it? I don't. I, I really should know, but I don't. So they did it because it it appeared higher in the alphabet, uh, in back in the day in the yellow pages. Now I think about okay. Yeah, I have Steve heard that. Jobs yeah. is back in the day in the yellow pages. The Apple was one of the top things, and it, and it appeared above their number one competition, which was a, I think Atari. Uh, they wanted right. to be above Atari in yeah. uh, in the in the yellow pages. So yeah. Well, they won. Interesting concept nowadays. Yes. That makes concept. no difference. Yeah, it makes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> whatsoever. On the on the naming thing, though, I think you do see a lot of physical therapy clinics often named after the person that founded it. Yep. I remember hearing Eric Cressy say years ago that his biggest regret in creating Cressy Sports Performance was naming it Cressy Sports Performance because from there on, everybody that came as he grew the business, everybody that came had to see Cressy. They couldn't see another coach. Like if, if it's named after you, they're you know the big league arm guy paying you know lots of money to be there and getting paid millions of dollars and it's all important he doesn't want to go see your you know your trainee or young coach he wants to see you he wants to see your name yeah so you build a brand that people trust instead of a name that people trust and that's exactly it that's that's a decision you have to make in the early phases of your business as to what do you want to, what are you trying to really build are you building a brand are you building an enterprise or are you building a small local shop and either is fine uh, but just may know what you're choosing because it's going to make dr- drastic impacts on you long term down the road, and and changing that name is, can be quite painful. So uh, just just things to consider as you go through that process. 
I think um, some other things regarding the business that is, is important that we'd like to share and, and, and speak to is that it has simple goals to really improve people's lives, improve, improve function, and really improve, improve anybody we come in contact with. And that includes both our team and our employees as well as the patients that we see, obviously. So you would think as a business, the main goal of the business is to serve and, and create this uh, great situation for the clients and the customers, which is absolutely our goal. But in the process of doing that, we really want to create a great environment for our employees and for our team so that they can, they can grow and that they can prosper and that they can have success and find joy in what they do every day, which is going to carry themselves down to having joy and having fun and working with their clients in a, in a more effective way. So that's, that's paramount in the way that it's designed. And, and so more, more on that idea, one of the things I think that's tricky in our field of, of physical therapy specifically, but certainly in the field of medicine right now, is you're seeing this this massive reduction over the last 10 or 20 years in time with the client, right? And how much time is available between the, the healthcare provider and the, and the patient. And so we're all battling this, this concept heavily. And so as a patient, you go in and with, a, with your doctor now, you're probably down to less than 10 minutes. You know, in some cases, it's two minutes or three minutes, and maybe, maybe you don't even get to see the doctor. You see an assistant or something. We're not taking anything away from them, but that's just what the, what the society has kind of unfolded with the way insurance and medical billing works. Mm -hmm. That's the only way they can be profitable is to see that much volume. So that's, that's how that works. The same thing's true in our field where the insurance situation has so drastically changed on the reimbursement and becomes so much lower that you're seeing therapists have to see more and more people to, to have a career, to have a lifestyle that's, that's one that they want, that's average, I would say, with the community. There's not too many rich therapists out there, so it's kind of to live along with the average uh, middle-class community, which, which is great, obviously, but to do that, you see them having to work harder to, to see more people so the standard back in the 80s was one patient an hour and then in the 90s it moved to to two people an hour and in the t early 2000s it was still kind of hanging out there and then it moved pretty rapidly to three and to four people in an hour uh, as a visit situation so you've got th clinicians now that you know the, the industry average is between three and four patients an hour being seen and when you think about it that's 15 minutes per patient that's extremely difficult to get everything we talk about on this podcast or everything that's valuable to us as clinicians, it's hard to get, it would be impossible to get that in a 15 minute window. So, you know, we've really been steadfast in the way we designed the business and designed our, our organization financially so that we can preserve this 30 minute window of one-on-one -on -one time with our clients. And that's been paramount to be able to do all the things we talk about doing. And I think it's important to discuss here because we might give some advice or we might speak to these concepts that are so valuable to us that we feel are like standards, but yet in the industry, they're not standards. And some of you out there that might want to apply some of these techniques or looking for some of these things, understand that the industry, in a lot of cases, doesn't allow for, doesn't allow for you to implement these higher levels of performance or higher level techniques because it takes more time to implement, more time to evaluate. From a time perspective, but then also from an equipment perspective, I think the other component of this is is the spaces that we're in. Each space that we're in is is a little unique, but they're all affiliated with some fitness related thing. So we're gyms in most of our scenarios, or we're with a baseball facility in our Sacramento area, and it's you know big wide open spaces of turf. There's barbells and weights. Is there is the higher level of performance as possible? And I think if you look at most of those, you know throwback those other PT clinics at three and four people an hour, 
it's a small room with carpet and theraband and two pound weights and because that's all they have time yeah. to get to right there's no time to get to these bigger more complicated yeah. things and i think some people might combat that and say i don't have the space like it's not available to me but one thing they could change or i think is a, a it's a ripple already in the profession is your attire i think but what i said to myself is i would never wear khakis while being a fucking PT because <laughs> and we're tucking a shirt or we're loafers. And you went there. And I went there. So I, I'll have not to this day worn a polo in a professional setting because That's I had to demonstrate story. I had to demonstrate um, the mirror drill. And for those that don't, don't know what that is, it's a reactive drill with um, your client where they have to do everything you do in a very speed-like fashion. So sprint, backpedal, change of direction, um, get on the ground, get back up again. You can't tell me that you would maintain your tucked-in shirt if you'd had to do those things. And no way would you be able to do those in, I don't know, what are they, I don't even know dress shoe brands, but either way. Um, so it's like absolutely paramount Clark, that you can, Clark's, there you go. As, you know, Spurries, who knows? Um, Sperry? Sperry, yeah. exactly, right? I don't, I don't buy anything outside of the stuff I wear for here, guys. Um, but it's so critical that you, you can control that, I think, as the clinician and as the business owner and how you want your team to look professional. You can still look very professional in athleisure nowadays just because that's part of the society and you have yeah, to be athleisure. movable. I mean, you have to, you have to be able to move. Yeah. I know. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> what? This is amazing. Yes. I have not seen this coming whatsoever. See, niche <laughs> right into, it's, it's so you're, important. You're super right. Though. It's so important. Like, how can it you works. possibly teach someone how to move their body if you are restricted by the clothing on your body? I mean, I, it's, it's so simple. It's such a simple solution. And it, it gives off a vibe. So I'm going to say I'm sports medicine, but I'm sitting over here with the tucked in shirt. I mean, I could go on for hours. Well, I go back to like, some of my, my friends and classmates that are PTs in other places yeah. in outpatient sports medicine yes. facilities wear khaki, polo, or button-up in some cases, <laughs> and then like some like New Balance or Hoka's or something, you know, something silly like that. That's their that is their um, that's their freedom right there. Yeah, what the shoes, shoes they can wear? They can <laughs> like that's the one thing. Like I got I got to elevate myself here. I got to move athletics. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, that's, that's really but it is, it's so important. It's a vision, right? It's yeah. it's giving the perception of who the person is I'm working with. That fits along with the space, though. Right? It does. Part of the yeah, look, right? Absolutely. It's part of the atmosphere. You're creating the sports athletic movement atmosphere. It's, all of that ties together. It's part yeah. of the brand. That's part of the yeah. part of what it looks like. You know, it does come down to the to really the experience of of the user, of the patient, of, of the customer, and. and you know, going going back to the the time, we're talking about the environment, and the atmosphere, and the attire, yeah. and, and that time part. What we've done as a company that's been, um, you know, I think really critical and really unique is that we give a solid time block for evaluations. If you are new to our our business and you're you're new to meeting one of our clinicians, um, we're going to be giving you a really uh, an extra long period of time to allow for the appropriate questions. The, uh, we recognize a new person coming in to our clinic is trying to figure out, do I trust you? Do you have the, the, the plan and the uh, identification and the uh, experience that I feel that, that is gonna help me in the long run? And, and that takes time. Yeah. We understand that there, there is a process here that's the buy-in process. Do you trust us? Do you trust the clinician? Do you trust the process in this journey? And, and that can never be rushed. And so we really kind of give us a strong period of time that's longer than all of our follow-up sessions to be able to establish that, that initial connection because we realize how important it is. And I think you touched on something there about their experience that broadens beyond just their treatment time, right? So 
um, if you are the business owner or if you are someone to aspire to be a business owner, especially in this field, um, one of the great books that was recommended by yourself, Tony, was The E-Myth in that you can't be the technician and run the business at the same time. You have to see it from all angles. And I think what's been a tremendous amount of effort in the last couple of years has been how can we make every touch point of the client's experience something greater than they're ever going to have somewhere else. And that's from the moment they call, or really it's from the moment if they're gonna Google us, look at the website. Does it speak to what they're gonna experience in real person? Do they have a great experience with someone over the phone when they call for the first time to schedule? Do they have a great experience with the um, platforms we use either online or when they first walk in and get to check in? Do they have a great experience with the people that are non-providers? Um, in the process and then eventually they get the opportunity to see it to feel it and to be there for the full hour or half hour or however long it's going to be um, and then it closes out in the exact same way that's like a tremendous part that I think a lot of technicians that want to go out on their own underappreciate and undervalue yeah I, I couldn't recommend that book enough the the e-myth uh, it's called the e-myth revisited by Michael Gerber and it's something that I've read and read and read many, many times over and over again and dissected uh, pretty heavily, actually. Uh, probably the cheap side of me that didn't want to pay for all the mentoring process. Just <laughs> keep reading it and then implement and read and implement. And then it's interesting, as, as we evolved as a company over the first few years, you know, I'd be rereading it. Now, everything I would read would be, mean something different um, as I read it, as we kind of were evolving. And I, I just learned more perspective as we went along. Cause, the same words would be something different to me because now we're in a different situation, of course. So I couldn't recommend that enough to aspiring young clinicians, no matter the field, uh, any business owner for that matter. It's a, it's a generalized book, but there are specific ones. They have a, a chiropractor version, a doctor version that are, are certainly interesting and worth the read. But yeah, that was one of the uh, moments of impact on me was that uh, I, so I have bought polos for the company. <laughs> and <laughs> the response that we had did, did show my age apparently quite significantly. It was quite surprising. I wasn't expecting. It might that. have only been the brand of polo that you bought. It's a quality brand. It's Tommy Bahama. Tommy Bahama is a nice brand. Maybe when I get a couple decades we, older, maybe. But Under Armour polos. Those were those nice. Were nice. I still, I still have that. I still, I still wear, wear the wear professional that. outings. You do not wear that. I sure do. No, I don't. Unbelievable. <laughs> I don't wear it to work. I've seen Went you wear to a golf tournament. Didn't wear the polo. No, oh, the, the, yes. the gray one. Yeah, the gray one. I totally get that. Yeah, to no, I do wear a collar. Yeah, because I can't fit in a khakis and do sprints in khakis. I, I can't do that. <laughs> I'm not saying I can't. I just don't want to. <laughs> it doesn't give off a good vibe. <laughs> you can't say you're Russ while wearing khakis. Like you walk into the building. I, I, I challenge you to go to work the next day wearing khakis. And you see if you instead get the of, same instead response. Of doing, instead of doing lunges, I'll just do handstand walks. <laughs> right? yeah, seriously. seriously. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. He needs to tuck his shirt in to do that. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, goodness. I remember a story from a, a client. So this kind of goes back to experiencing um, the business from a very uh, rudimentary level of us kind of being all hands on deck, so to speak. I had a client that I'd seen when he was in high school and he was a senior in college just recently. And he um, he had uh, he had asked me you know, through text, like, hey, Aaron, I'm going to come back in town. Can I get some treatment over the next three weeks or whatever before I have to go back to school? And I said, sure. And I uh, the process now is to kind of get him connected with our uh, efficiency or uh, our efficiency team or admin staff and just get an intake and go through the process, so on and so forth, so it's a, a clean entry. Um, and as I sent him that, and he came in right, the next week, and he's like, Aaron, he's like, 
after I got off the phone and I had to get on the phone with the other gal and my mom was there because she experienced it when I first went to you. I was like, what? Is, that's that's not them. Like, that's not what they do. I usually just show up. I would text you. I'd hand you cash. You'd treat me and I'd leave. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I mean, there's something like kind of fun to that. But at the same time, there's a lot of holes to that process. And there's, I guarantee you, there was some frustrations along the way. So, um, but I thought it was, it was kind of funny to see where it, you know, what used to have to be managed and now how clean and professional it is you know i think early on in in kimes business development we had the the wonderful uh, opportunity to have a special patient and uh, her name was kathy yonda and uh, she she immediately kind of rose pretty high in tony and i's conversation Uh, he would always kind of talk about yeah i have this one patient she's got some like great ideas on how to make our process better and she is about as passionate as um uh, about business development as we are about about physical therapy it's pretty cool and so and, and Kathy became uh, one of our, our first few employees uh, with Kime, uh not as a non-clinician which was a bit I think a bit gutsy as a really kind of young business to hire people that weren't you know revenue generating people in the company which is interesting in business but uh, she became this uh, such a special uh, development within it and to develop the efficiency teams as Aaron indicated but she's kind of our leader of the uh, administrative development really literally wrote a a PMP manual four times over over the past uh, five six years because that's how many times we've really kind of changed all the systems and started from scratch and and each time we changed it you know she was always like nope that's not good enough that doesn't meet the excellence that patients deserve from the first phone call to the email statement to the balance to the handshake at the end it doesn't meet that excellence and uh, you know as clinicians we kind of stand behind our our clinical work through our hands and through our exercise progression as a testament to this is this is kind and what she did is she brought that on the other side of the equation into the office into the administrative realm and so from a, a business model standpoint to put a, a healthy investment into that development was was massive still is massive still is a huge work in progress but we've come a really light years with that development that was a big one mm-hmm. Yeah, a couple things on that. First off, if you're listening and you're tired of Russ slapping his thighs while he's talking and it's irritating you, then just write us in and we'll make him wear khakis next time <laughs> or something else to prevent this issue that we've tried to resolve over the first eight sessions. But That's why we got rid of the big table. But yeah, yeah, we've so made some adjustments. Yeah, so we're going to give him a pillow. Still, it's a pillow. we got to still confine his hands. Yeah, you got to you know? strike. Constraint-induced yeah. therapy yeah. to both arms. Yeah. 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 You just can't bang your forehead on anything. But... On, on that note, I think one one thing that we've we've really strived for is we wanted we actually wanted people outside of the outside of the clinicians, of course. We wanted people that were like not associated with healthcare in the past, uh, as part of our administrative and our in our billing process and things, because we frankly feel like the healthcare system has been broken in so many ways, and it's there's so many challenges to it. So I've looked at people who have looked at other successful businesses and other pathways. And how could we bring them into what we're doing? And, and how could they learn the healthcare side, but bring in some other experiences that they had? Maybe we can make this low efficient, maybe change some of the problems we see with healthcare. And I think we've done that really well in many, many ways. And we really, really resist this uh, getting pulled backwards, you know. And, and there are certainly a lot of a lot of tethers that try to pull us back into that system. And, and insurance is a big one. I mean, I'm not sure how people truly understand how insurance works, but they they have tremendous control over healthcare and 
uh, the care that's delivered to people, they have tremendous influence over it. And it's, it's really sad to, to watch it happen in many cases. And we were really strategic about what insurance partners we work with. And it's very limited because we just don't tolerate the insurance company driving healthcare. It's just not something that, that I'm willing to have involved with us. So we've strategically partnered with insurance companies that, that do take care of their people and, and share some of the vision that we have with our clients. And we work with them within the limitations that we have, of course, but we do the best we can. But we specifically avoid other insurances that will intentionally decrease quality of care just by being associated with them, frankly. And it's kind of a long conversation about how that works, but it's it's really, really powerful. So that's that's something big for us is is having non-healthcare associated administrative people to, to try to better our process, better our solutions, better our strategies, and then and then really being strategic about our partnerships with with the payer sources so yeah i mean you know for all the patients out there that this is a big one i think when patients try and figure out which uh, therapy provider to connect with and they're finding an in-network solution and they feel that oh i need to find an in-network solution because that's that's what my insurance is going to pay for and that's what's best for me and really that that is uh, really kind of answering the important question of what is best for me uh with the wrong um Priority uh, of of you know whether or not it's it's an in network or out of network and and that's why we have such a strong cash following because frankly when it comes to out of pocket cost it's quite uh, similar between your meeting your deductible and, and and hitting our our cash pay and I think that's why we've done such a strong the business started out cash pay and it's still paying for service with just hard cash right there. And it's simple. The transaction is clean, and we, we've made it affordable uh, for that reason from the very beginning. And now we still have a, a huge part of our, our patient population um, choose to do that uh, rather than go with an in-network solution that doesn't really fill their need. So I, that, that was a big one. Yeah, I think you're seeing this happen anyway, like in the industry too, where you're seeing the co-pays are rising, the deductibles are rising. So people are pretty much almost paying cash out of pocket for, mm -hmm. for therapy services anyway, unless they've had a surgery up front. But even so, they're out thousands of dollars in that case beforehand. So we're super respectful of that. We always put together a plan that, that makes sense for them financially as well as them physically. So if our, our goal is to return you back to you know whatever lifestyle activity it is or back to sport or wherever it is, whatever your goal is, we want to put a plan together that financially makes sense for that as well. And that, that's absolutely critical and paramount in our process that, hey, what, what can you afford and what do you want to invest in this? And are we going to do this in two visits? Are we going to do this in 10? Do we want to do this in 20? Um, or do you want to do it? Do you want to do it every day for the next, you know, four weeks? You know, what, 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 what makes sense for you and, and your, your lifestyle and your financial obligations? So. I think to Russ's point, though, I think we see a lot of people that have failed in that other system. I think a large amount of the people that pay cash that we see are people mm -hmm. that were not successful in those other models where these people are seeing three and four people an hour. And I do think that's something that we're fighting every day is this um, this image of physical therapy that the majority of people have is something that we're providing something very different. So when they say, oh, I'm going to physical therapy, it's, it's this is a very, yeah. this is a different <laughs> product than that. That three and four people an hour, it it's like you said, it, it yeah. doesn't work. And no. so I think our cash cash pay group of people are often people that have failed in some of those other scenarios. Yeah. I think a common question I get, I just had a patient today who is going with an in-network provider and she was told by a good friend, hey, you gotta go see my therapist. So I had her for an evaluation today. And you know, the first question I usually ask when someone's been to another provider or currently going to an in-network provider 
and this is really no um this well no it is it is a criticism yep it's a, definitely a criticism <laughs> on that therapist i asked that patient did your other provider uh interact with your tissue did they push your tissue like this and I show them I show on their scar I show on their tissue I show on their joints and for this woman she had a, um, a wrist fracture and a wrist stabilization surgery and she had uh, such a stiff hand that she couldn't move it and so it was really a, an empathetic question of are they interacting with your tissue and that's absolutely critical is because she was asking hey should I do my other my other therapist that's in network and you at the same time or how do you want to work and my question was are they working on your tissue really that simple it's, it's less about what's their qualifications and what's their skill set you need someone to work on your tissue right now and I think what you're seeing with these with the provider systems the in-network solutions of these three and four patients an hour is the therapist isn't given time for manual therapy and that's such a critical part that we do for post-operative care or for post-trauma when you have scar tissue when you have tissue restriction someone's got to get in there and help you work on that tissue because it's it's hard to work on your other hand it, it just is or it's hard to push on area that that's painful and you don't really know what you're doing and and, and you want that guidance and that's a, that's a big part of it to be to be clear and to support what Russ is saying there is we don't think that the therapists are necessarily bad or uninformed or uneducated but it's a system that's that's putting pressure on them to see people more frequently which then drives down the quality of care and their ability and their drive to really get better in all in, in all honesty and that system is in, is in really pushed from the insurance standpoint as to how they're going to get paid and and be a profitable business so it goes back to the business side from the beginning is is how how is it organized? How is it set up? And, and ours is set up from the start to be to be successful both for the client and, and for the employees so they can enjoy that process and the client can have a great experience and we can help them achieve their goals, whatever that may be and, and whatever they set for. So we, we certainly brand ourselves in the sports performance space and the sports medicine space, but we're working with people that really want to get better at the end of the day. And, and that's, I'd say, who, who ends up finding us and, and that's our number one population. And, and some of them are certainly athletes, some of them elite performers, uh, some of them, you know, unbelievable. And, and many, 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 many of them are those just like the rest of us, just living life, trying to get through the day, uh, working, working in an office all day, or maybe they're home and, you know, looking to be able to be more active with their grandkids is, is what fills up the schedule. And that's, that's so much fun and rewarding for all of us to just help people improve their lifestyle and improve their quality of life. I think another piece to this that you kind of mentioned in the beginning, but we've kind of gone a different direction here is, is yeah, that's, that's kind of how it works for patients, but about how it works for the people that work for the company. That was another big goal of the company mm -hmm. was to make it work for the employees and the people that are a part of it. And, and I'll say for me, that's, that's why I'm here because when, um, I, I knew Russ and, and Tony when, uh, when I was an undergrad, I interned with them and then I went to PT school. They went off and did some other things. And when I was coming to a close of, of PT school, my last clinical rotation, I don't, I don't remember exactly how I got connected with, with Tony. It maybe it was from a professor. I can't remember. Was it? Yeah. It was, it was Raphael. Yeah. Yeah. So I connected through a professor and... He said you were the best in class and Aaron was the second, but you... <laughs> Pretty sure he said those things <laughs> verbatim. <laughs> but, well, Something like that. I can't so, quite yeah, remember yeah, how that went down. Yeah. Of course. Whatever, whatever it was. It's probably because you were wearing a polo and... <laughs> Probably your khakis, yeah, yeah, probably, and your Sperry's scarred from it. But so, <laughs> but so, so Tony said, "Hey, I heard you want to do sports medicine, and and if you want to, then we should we should chat." 
I was like, okay, this is interesting. So we talked on the phone a few times and he had some cool ideas. And then when I came back from Boston where my last clinical rotation was, he's like, hey, meet me in El Dorado Hills at this at this gym. It's called Minnie's House of Pain. I'm like, okay, sure. So I, I drive up to El Dorado Hills. I walk into this gym. It's not not clearly not Tony's space. I've never been here before. It doesn't really look like a PT clinic that I'm used to at least. So I walk in, he puts me in, we're in Vince's office, we're in somebody else's office, and Tony's got a, a marker and a whiteboard, and he's like, yeah, we got this plan, I got this idea, Russ and I have this plan, we got this idea, and he, Tony draws stuff out on a whiteboard, and we're like five years into this process, and literally everything he drew out on that whiteboard has happened to, the, to this point. We, have, we haven't missed a thing. I got a snapshot in my, my mind of what was on that whiteboard, and nothing's been missed. So um, I think one of the biggest things and the coolest things about this company is that it's it's made to make the people in it, um, you know, succeed. Well said. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like we give uh, everyone in the company a survey too, pretty much annually on um, I don't know what do they enjoy the most or um, it's and I think it's something along the lines of what do you enjoy the most about uh, being part of a time as a team or family or whatever it is, and it it seems that. It's never monetary. It's um, it's always tied back to some level of the culture and the teammates around them. So uh, when you create a an environment where people can thrive both professionally and personally, and, and feel like they're making an impact and they're given all the tools to do so, then that's just it's a beautiful thing to see and to watch people. It's so much easier to mentor them. It's so much easier to um, engage with them and and really kind of continue learning because you don't feel pressured by a system that, that demands your your constant productivity that's almost um, almost impossible so and it yeah it shows in the quality of the employee and it shows in the quality of the, the service yeah yeah it's so true I, I started in those environments and this is where you know as your experience kind of drives your your development and, and how things change and, and there's certainly past experiences when Russ and I started this as to that we had had in the past and we did not want to reproduce and you know one of mine was being at a place that had high volume uh, high volume turnover and had poor insurance contracts and I was just like ah, I just don't I don't love this I'm losing I'm already I was a year in and I was already losing some passion for what we do so just kind of being being ground to the bone to, to produce a certain amount and then we had a great opportunity and really built something special but Russ and I found some limitations there uh, in the way that the team was uh, was developed and where the team was rewarded for, for their successes. Uh, so then that really kind of drove us to how we organize this this business and, and this brand was uh, certainly around some of those things and certainly around some other ideals uh, that we haven't experienced yet that we thought could be uh, could could be could be great. So it's been a, it's been an honor to build it. Uh, it's it's been a tremendous amount of fun. We've been able to to grow significantly. Over over the last five years, it's it's really been a tremendous process, and I think we've served a tremendous amount of the community very very well, and the customer. And I think we have a, a growing team that's, uh, you know, we've gone from from uh, basically two therapists to you know seventeen therapists now in, in a five year period. Uh, so it's it's pretty cool, and a, and a company the size of about thirty or so folks that that make this thing turn and make it tick. So it's uh, it's just still and it's really introductory phases of, of what it can be and, and we're excited to be uh, to continue to continue to do it but at the end of the day like like Evan said there it's it's both of those components is creating something that really gives back to to the people that work in it and then something that gives back to the community that it serves and you know always those two things in balance is, is what we're shooting for 
I think about like um, I'm going to put a little twist to this question because it, it's the conversation inspired me to ask it. And um, but I want to ask like, what the fuck are you doing as the consumer? As a consumer, right? And my thought process behind this question is um, this this feeling you have to be subject to your your benefits. You have to be subject to who you get access to. And in reality, you should be able to find people like us. You should be able to find people that uh, can serve you or your family or be an advocate for finding the absolute best resource for um, your rehab or your surgery or um, whatever it is, whatever care it is that you need. Like, don't feel like you need to be subject to um, what someone tells you through your insurance plan. Like, that's your only option. Like, I'm, you only have one body. Don't walk around like you're coming back. So if you're going to have a surgery, don't <laughs> let someone fuck it up because they're a resident. You know? If you, if you have a legal problem, you're going to go, you're going to try to find a really good lawyer to yeah. help you, right? You're not going to, you're not going to see, well, what do my benefits cover? What covers this? No. This is kind of the silly thing about how this insurance stuff works is, you know, if somebody has a healthcare problem, we have a healthcare solution. But then there's this third party that's like, hey, why don't you pay me first and then I'll pay them for you. And the only way that that third party insurance makes money off of any of this is if collective patients pay them more than they pay out to you know collective entities. It's like such this. It's like such a yeah, sideways yeah. version of things. And I th I do think more and more people are starting to see like a way around that. Like that yeah. they are a consumer and they do have a choice to be able to to go places. So I, 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 do I think have that that's I have more patients that ask me which insurance should I pick. I yes, yes. I get that question yeah. all the time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, once once Very they've common. once they've been through the process with us a little bit, and yeah. then they see, oh, oh this insurance isn't covered. Well, what? Which one is? I'm I'm up to I'm up to change mine now. Yeah, or what right. Yeah. yeah. What do you think? Yeah. There's a lot of factors there, but for yeah. PT, I can really educate you. Um, yeah. But yeah, like, a lot of factors there. Like I'm not gonna tell someone how to pick their Medicare yeah, insurance coverage because yeah, I mean, some I don't know anything about. But I think about if people are gonna spend enough time in the grocery store in one aisle to pick their cereal, they should spend the amount of effort, the same amount of effort to choose their level of like self-care and whether that be their PT it doesn't matter if you're in network or out of network make it happen if you're gonna go to dinner and spend 80 bucks on dinner without even a bat of your eyelashes then you should be able to spend the same amount of money on taking care of yourself honestly yeah. and another thought here too is this is one this is something that Mike Reinold would always say is you go to the dentist twice a year to get your teeth checked whether there's something wrong or not right you always go get a check but nobody checks movement nobody cares about how they're what, what's your quality of movement nobody cares about that yeah People, why why don't people get screened? Why don't you get your movement screened more than at least once yeah. a year? You move all day long. You you do a physical with your doctor, but you know they might like push your arm once or twice and you know make you turn and cough or whatever. <laughs> but but, so, but I'd hope you'd include yeah. that. You weren't. But, I was going to. But, yeah, but, yeah. but 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 nobody's really looking at quality of movement and or like how your body is truly functioning from a physical perspective. And there's there's yeah. no reason you shouldn't get that looked at regularly. And I know yeah. I do. I have, have people I see that Russ does. I know you guys do. Have people that check back with you once a few every few yeah. months just or that they're perfectly healthy but they yeah. just want to make sure that what's the next step or yeah. what am i missing here yeah or to reestablish your own personal goals i mean that might be yeah. a segue into another podcast episode but right. like goal setting mm -hmm. and then how can i be the coach for you to achieve those over this year yeah mm -hmm. for sure yeah from a consumer standpoint uh, for some clarity as some people don't realize this but if you get a prescription for something, uh, and, and PT is just an example of that, but you have the right to go wherever you want to fulfill that prescription. So you don't have to go to you know the therapist that's on the script per se. You can go anywhere you want to. So you have that freedom of choice for sure. Um, and then of course, from a benefit standpoint, you've got these in network, out of network, and then and then cash pay options. But really consider what your options are because overall, like PT is pretty much in the same price point no matter where you go. 
uh, for the most part. It it's varies very little. But call some places up and compare some costs and look at what the best options are, are for you because you can usually probably get quite a bit for a cash pay rate and ask some questions about you know maybe how they're, how they're going to apply their their care and how it would be different than the neighbor down the road. So it's, a, it's, it's definitely a difficult place to navigate, that's for sure. And our goal is to make it simpler for... For the for the consumers all over the country, that, that this can be this can be better, and we thoroughly believe this profession can be better and needs to be better, and, and we're striving to accomplish that every day through through our business and the way we structured it, to to what we do on a daily basis with both our our internal team as well as our clients that, that come to the door. So we hope to see you guys and touch you guys in that process if that if that helps you, and, and answer any questions you have throughout your uh, throughout your your process in either finding the right healthcare or or finding the right place to work in your future. So, This is Kimecast. Thanks for listening. This was Kimecast, and we are the Kime Human Performance Institute. Thank you very much for listening. We'd love to continue the conversation with you. Please hop on our social media. It's at KimeHPI, and engage with us there. If you'd like us to feature a topic or answer any questions live on the show, post your comments there. You can also check us out on our website at KimePerformance.com. And there you can see links to content that we've posted throughout our podcast for more information.